I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are going back to the high for season five of the, the Connor and Smith Show. So here we are with another episode. Uh, we have been super busy with Find Your Light, the first concert of uh, basically review of our material. That yes, is happening. happening in February. February 6th of the Lyceum. Um, it is... Almost sold out? Possibly sold out? I think it is sold out. Anyway, um, we are super excited about it. We are honored, excited, and scared. <laughs> All of the things. Um, but uh, today we are going to talk to Dane Whitlock. Yay, Dane Whitlock! Now, Dane mentions that he has an announcement to make, but he as of yet has not made it on social media so I will not make it but there will be an announcement soon for those of you who are following him or possibly Dane could make that announcement or I could for Dane on our discord page so insert announcement here it's coming soon um, if you have not learned this by now we do have a Patreon we have a link in the podcast notes if you want to support us and continue supporting our work here in this space. We appreciate it a lot. We're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back. In 1985, Tyler was meeting Justin at their favorite arcade, Longshot. Just as Justin was about to confess his love for Tyler, the world changed. Blending elements of 1980s pop culture and LGBTQIA fiction, we journey through this incredible experience that brings them closer together as they fight against a world trying to keep them apart. Listen to Longshot on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Hello, Dane. Can you hear me? I can hear you great. Can you hear me? Perfectly. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, Dane. I'm sit sitting here with uh, my husband and co-host, Matt Connor. Hey, hey, hey. Hi, Matt. How are you? What's going on? Oh, you know, you know, what's happened in the last 30 years? I have no idea. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. We are. I'm uh, currently sitting here with... Uh, Two little pugs, and we're not used to doing a 4.30 call, so it feels like, oh, wow. Right? Okay. Well, my dog is asleep on the couch, so, you know, he's used to me walking around talking on my phone during the day, so he's, this is nothing new to him. Where are you? I'm in Austin, Texas. Oh, nice. With Mike Grubbs. Is Mike, Mike Grubbs in Austin, Texas? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, you, learn, you learn something new every day. Hi, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Mike. Thanks for listening. Um, well, I guess we'll get to your journey to Texas. Where are you originally from? I'm originally from Florence, South Carolina. And when you were in South Carolina, did, did you participate in a lot of things when you were a youngster that got you into the, the theater uh, side of things leading to Shenandoah? Oh, gosh, yes. Uh, well, you know, I grew up in Florence, and um, there was a community theater in town called the Florence Little Theater, and they had a children's kind of like, you know, a TYA workshop, um, you know, classes. And, of course, you've got to remember this is like in the 70s, so it was very, you know, basic. I think it was in the fellowship hall of a church somewhere. But anyways, it was... Um, it was a lot of fun, and I loved every second of it. And uh, my mother uh, recognized that I had this, you know, excitement about going there every day, much more than I ever did about going to anything that was sports related. <laughs> and um, and when the opportunity came around for the Florence Little Theater, I think that Christmas, I think I was in third grade or something, um, they were doing Babes in Toyland, and my mother asked me if I wanted to audition. And I said, yes, please. And um, next thing you know, they cast me as the captain of the toy soldiers. Oh, I um, love it. 
Yes, and um, there were like five or six toy soldiers and all these other kids my age dressed as dolls and stuffed animals and jack-in-the-box and stuff like that. But I loved it, loved it, loved it from the jump. And, um, you know, so then that started my uh, my long-tenured career in, in trying to, uh, to be uh, being an actor. Yeah, so was, I did a... Go ahead. Was all of your pre-college um, schooling there in South Carolina? Uh, yeah, I went to high school at West Florence High School. We did um, several musicals. I did a lot more community theater growing up. You know, that that Babes in Toyland was the, my entry point, and I, I was doing shows there consistently until I graduated um, from high school. And then um, my junior year, there's this thing in South Carolina called the Governor's School for the Arts, and it's a summer program for gifted and talented kids. And um, it's held on campus at Furman University in Greenville. And what was exciting about this is the fact that all of the teachers and the, the directing staff and all that stuff all came from like North Carolina School of the Arts, you know, Penn State. They were pretty high, you know, um, ranking schools as far as the arts were concerned. And I auditioned and I was one of 30 uh, high school kids in the state of South Carolina to be accepted that year. And I went off um, and spent an entire summer um, at Furman University, living in a dorm, you know, taking classes, taking dance classes, taking all these things, you know, kind of like a pre-professional career. Um, and then when I graduated uh, from that, uh, they send all of the parents like letters, um, like a couple weeks later saying, hey, you know, your kid's nice and all, but you know, he needs to get out of the business now. Or, you know, we encouraged, um, you know, your child to pursue this professionally. And I got the, the thumbs up from them. And then um, the, my mom looked at me one day and I was a junior in high school and she was like, or maybe I was like, just turned a senior or something. I can't remember. But uh, she asked me if I wanted to do this professionally. And I, and I said yes. And, um, and then I started auditioning for colleges. And at, at that time, I'm assuming now everyone does, a lot, I guess, a lot of pre-audition video kind of submission. I guess at that time, uh, was there like a college conference or did you just have to apply to each school in person? Yeah, you're exactly right. It was. It was a college conference. Um, it was um, Southeastern Theater Conference. Um, and I think that year it was in like Lexington, K Kentucky or something. But I drove with um, a high school buddy who was also auditioning and... You know, I was one of, I want to say, hundreds of high school kids, maybe thousands. I don't know. It was a lot of kids um, running around this hotel conference center, and we were each given, I think, two minutes. Does that sound about right for these these things, these mass cattle calls? I yeah, think we had, probably. yeah, I think I had two minutes um, where you could either do a monologue or you could do like a minute monologue and 30 seconds of a song or what have you. So um, I chose to do the song, um, and I think it had to be a cappella, to even be honest. I can't even remember. But um, I got a call back. They post all the callbacks on a large bulletin board at the, at the convention center, and I got a call back for a bunch of schools, and one of which was Shenandoah. And I went and met with um, Dr. Tom Albert and Mac Bosman, and um, the rest is kind of history. So they were the two there representing the school. Yeah, they were. Um, Hal Herman wasn't there that year, and um, neither was Robin Schroth or anyone like that. But what was funny, and I was just thinking about this when I was talking about it, was all of the callbacks were in hotel rooms. <laughs> so I had to go to a hotel room. I think it was Mac Bosman's hotel room, or <laughs> might have been Doc. So, I mean, I didn't think anything of it because this is, I don't know, 1989. So, like, this was before, you know, the, you know, stranger danger really kicked in that we that we experience now. But I can't imagine being a parent and sending your daughter off to audition for a bunch of colleges <laughs> and then saying, OK, go up to this old man's room. And or not, not that, yeah, not that they're old men. So in case you're listening to this, Dr. Albert, but it was just <laughs> it seems a little strange, doesn't it? It just seems very odd. I don't think they do that anymore. I would so. not. <laughs> oh, my God. Super awkward. It's like Coco from fame. I just kind of sat there crying. Um, 
<laughs> you walk in, there's like the little itty bitty, the little itty bitty beer fridge, and yeah, you know, and there's uh, yeah, it just the whole thing is just very strange to me, and I didn't remember that until I started talking about it. I was like, that's how that went, and that was normal. That wasn't like that was new that year. That was the way just, it always was. Because they were just using the space that was there at the hotel, right? I mean. Yeah, well, I I think that was where they stayed because like the the conference was a couple of days, so like you know, I think that was just the norm. Like you auditioned in like the big huge banquet room that was like all, you know all the partitions were open and there's a bunch of chairs and stuff like that, and they brought you in thirty people at a time or whatever, and and you auditioned in front of people. Um, but it was yeah, I think that was their rooms because I know they had. Because if they came in from Winchester to Kentucky, they had to have a place to stay, right? And they wouldn't have had a se separate room for auditions. No, 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 no. Because you got to remember, this is SETC. There were like tons, tons of um of colleges there, so everyone had to have rooms, and everyone. Oh, oh, okay. It's bizarre. Let's move on. We have we have conquered this subject. <laughs> I think you just repressed that memory until now. And the floodgates have opened. Oh. <laughs> Batten down the hatches, kids. This is going to be a wild interview. So you you uh, went to the room, which is how the movie of Dane opens up. Yes. Yes, yes, exactly. And then, so this was probably what, in like the spring of your senior year? Uh, or was it fall? So you had a little time to plan, and then exactly. you then started your um, first semester, first year at SU. Yeah, I did. I started in the fall of 1989 because I graduated from high school in the spring of 89. So you graduated from SU in 92? 93. And it also should be noted that when I, um, maybe you've heard this before from we old folk, um, but when I got to college, it was still called Shenandoah College and Conservatory. Yes. Um, yeah. So, and then it was. Change? It was somewhere around my sophomore year, I think. It was, you know, I still I still say conservatory just because I it, it makes me feel like I went to someplace that was fancier. Well, I don't I don't care about the basketball team. <laughs> well, exactly. And here's the thing: it's like you know, we I went to school. You know, I had a choice of a couple of different schools, and I went there because I really like <laughs> I liked the program first of all, and I thought it was small, and I thought it, I could get more um, more out of it than other bigger schools. But what I really liked was the fact that I was just going to drop college in and just say that I went to Shenandoah Conservatory because it sounded so la da, you right. know? Right. Right. Well. Oh, well, I graduated from Shenandoah University. <laughs> <laughs> now, at that time, I can't remember. It's been too long. Sure. At, at that time, was it kind of a thing that freshmen and sophomores may or may not be in the, the, the fall and spring shows? That you, If you're a senior or junior, you probably were. Is that how that kind of worked? You know, um, it really, at that point, it was really based on who was already there at school when you got there um, and who, like, how strong the talent pool as far as, like, guys in my type. Um, I was very fortunate in the fact that I was cast in musicals my freshman year. Um, but I know a lot of people didn't until, you know, halfway through their sophomore year or their junior year or something. So, but yeah, that was kind of a thing that, you know, you were seen as kind of paying your dues and you to get for a freshman to get into a, you know, a, a fall, you know, musical right away was pretty much unheard of. That did not happen to me. It was the Mr. Edwin Drude and I was not in it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I got into the shows my second semester. And did, were you a pretty big, were you a pretty big dancer? Uh, <laughs> they 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 really tried hard to make me into one. I guess I want to say. I mean, I can hold my own, right? I mean, I know how to tap. I know how to do you know stuff like that. But I will never be. Uh, I'll never be Donald O'Connor. I'll never be Gene Kelly. Um, you know, that's just not my. It's not in my body, and I'm too lazy to. I was too lazy to train for it. Um, but yeah, I I was seen as kind of like the song and dance man. Um, and you and did a you and Kathy did my one and only. We did, we did. That was my senior year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I I went when I was being raised. It was just all about Jesus. There was nothing about um, Sondheim. Uh, <laughs> there was no like let's watch any of the musical. Yes. It was, it was like Ten Commandments and Bible study. So 
to see things at Shenandoah or be a part of things, I clued my one and only, I think, because I remember the show. I'd never heard of the show, nor had I ever seen the show. It was brand new to me. And next thing you know, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, I'm in heaven. These two people are dancing in, a, in, in water. We were. We danced in water. Yes. That was... It was it was a great experience. I mean, I, I, well, Kathy and I, I mean, from the second that pretty much she walked into the campus, Kathy and I became really good friends. And we were paired up a lot together in um, like music theater ensemble and stuff like that. And we did a lot of uh, one man shows together. And we did, so, you know, it was really comfortable playing opposite Kathy in that show. And um, and we did, I, you know, we got to dance in water. You know, there was, they, fl they flew me in from my first entrance, but of course, flying you in at at the time it hoisting me up on some dolly and you know <laughs> cranking me down very slowly but it was it was a lot of fun and it was Gershwin music it was it was it was heaven I don't remember oh is it Gershwin it is yeah it was um originally written for Tommy Toon and for Twiggy and they did it on Broadway in like the 80s I think I want to say like early 80s 81 or something like that and um you know, it didn't have that much of a long life. I don't think a lot, not a lot of people know it. And I'm pretty sure looking back on it, because Hal was notorious for this kind of finding shows. If you didn't, because I'd never played a leading role. I'd always, you know, high, I, very great supporting roles, but I'd never played a leading, leading man until my senior year. And I'm pretty sure he found that show because he was like, well, let's give this to Dane. So it was very, I was very flattered. I don't remember how they did the water. Was it like a, a basically like a trough? That kept That's exactly what it was. Uh-huh. Just like yeah. the singing of the rain troughs that they usually have. And they kept it at the back of the stage. And uh, there was no rake or anything like that. So, like, these poor, like, crew people had to, like, push this extremely heavy trough that was lined and filled with water. And then it was only maybe, like... I want to say, like, an inch. It wasn't a lot of water. But it was just enough so that when we dipped our toes into it and started splashing around. It looked like we were splashing on the on the shores of the beach. So well, you know, talk about people pushing around troughs. Um, <laughs> I at the at the time, I guess I really didn't quite understand what the university's window was into all of this all of these crewing things, you know. Oh sure, crewing, yeah. Crewing the dance concert, crewing this. But you know, looking back uh, people ask me about Shenandoah and what do I know? But I always say, I felt like we were in some sort of boot camp situation where we did Absolutely. so many different aspects of theater that it kind of prepared me to fail and succeed in many different areas. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what it taught, I, I'm glad you said that because I think what it taught me is a really strong work ethic and uh, appreciation of all the different components that go into putting on a show, right? Because um, you, you're right, we did. We had to have a costume crew. We had to be on set crew. We had to put in so many hours in the shops. Um, you know, there was just a lot that we had to do that was, you know, that took it took the focus away from us only wanting to be on stage. Well, I remember, I think it might have been during Fiddler when Hal was was Fiddler. I mean, was uh, Tevia. He was Tevia, yes. And I think I remember him one time, one student or one person had missed some sort of scene change or something. And he just very dryly cussed and said, if that happens during the show, just remember that you fucked the show. <laughs> and, you know, without it being any pressure or anything, I mean, it is true. You realize how valuable even the most invaluable feeling of what you're doing in, in the crew or wherever, but that everyone's just the team of this like um, ever moving fluid um, piece that people are watching. And yeah, it was just a great experience. Absolutely. And that's, you know, and I mean, I remember, I mean, there was Joy doing still talks about this to this day, but Joy was um, on the crew for, I think, City of Angels or something it was during summer theater. So, anyways, I was, I think, stage right deck captain, <laughs> even though we were all in the show, but we had to run off stage and change the sets. And she forgot to bring on a potted plant once but it was like a black and white potted plant that was very important because it needed the black and white element on stage and she forgot to do it and then I got yelled at and then I turned around and yelled at her because it was just like 
you know, it was like high drama. It is. It's high drama if you miss that stuff. Don't yell at me. That's your pot. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was I was crewing a show once. It was Summer Theater. We'll get to your Summer Theater. Did you do Summer Theater? I did. I did three years of it. So it was my fair lady, like literally maybe one of my first or second summers there. I was on the crew to costume and they asked me to drive the truck with all the costumes from the costume shop to Armstrong. And they were on those like A-frame wooden things R rickety rickety uh yeah they were up, i remember those they were up uh they were upright in the back of the truck a little bit top heavy and i swear to god i cut the truck too uh sharp and all the costumes just rolled completely out onto the ground oh no good thank goodness it wasn't raining so when i got them to the theater every everybody's ditty bags that was filled with stuff <laughs> just I mean, it was, it was a mess. I thought that I was like, I thought I was never going to make it in the business before I knew I was never going to make it in the business. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's the thing is like, there are some times in those situations in college and, and, and summer stock that like, you think if you screw up, you think that's going to be it. You know, your career is over. You might as well change majors and, you know, drop out of school because it's not happening. Um, a lot of people in our um, class, talk a lot about our experience either with Superstar or Pippin because they, those are like the aha moments of like, oh, we're doing this. Mm -hmm. Did you have sure. one of those in the summer or during the school year that was like, we're doing swingy? You know, um, we were one of the first to do Into the Woods. I do remember that. And that was super exciting um, because, exciting. yeah, I mean, I remember that because, you know, at the time we were just kind of doing very classic this is during the school year but very classic you know older musicals like the first semester was you know sometimes something a little bit more you know with it if you could say that like they did the mr bob and drude um that was when the slot they did into the woods but the second semester was all oh and they did like i think it was robert bridegroom my free my senior year but um the second semester was always like kind of a chestnut of an old musical that no one's really heard of <laughs> So it was like, paint your wagon, even though people have heard of it. Um, it was uh, half a sixpence. I mean, oh, who does no. half a sixpence? Yeah, it was horrible. Um, Were you in no, that's, that's after me. I'd, already, I'd gone by that point. And Kathy was still there. Yes, because I remember that was Kathy. I mean, I remember who was in it. Wasn't Meredith Long in that? Yeah, and Kathy, I think, sang I Love a Cop. Ah, that sounds that sounds about right. No, that was, I think, the 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 year after I left. Was that a spring musical? Sounds like it was. It had to have been. God, it had to did, have been. We did Bloomer Girl. It was because I think they did Sweeney Todd the first semester. Yeah. That's what, the, yeah, they did Sweeney Todd the first semester and then Fiorella the second one. Bloomer Girl. Oh, I know. How, how, I know. How. It's like, oh my God, why are we paying to go to school here to do Bloomer Girl? Well, 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 well. I mean, you also have to think about who was actually coming to see those shows. Not yes, anybody came to see Bloomer Girl. <laughs> well, and, you know, it was mostly parents and, like, local, locals, clearly. But, it, I mean, I understand why he would do that to give us some appreciation of shows that are often not done. And I don't know. It wasn't until the summer that we started kind of doing cooler things. Um, right. Yeah, you know, there's that, you know, I, re I remember we, we were like one of the first to do a chorus line. I mean, to do a chorus line and how it didn't change anything. And we were able to say shit, Richie and stuff. I mean, it was great. You know, these, this is something we've never been able to do on the um, Shenandoah stage. Now, you, I, I was not, this was before my time. But yes, sir. You and Matthew uh, co-starred opposite each other in Hello, Dolly, did you not? We did. We did. Uh, that, that summer? That was summer. Um, I want to say that was summer of 96, because I was on the road with She Loves Me before that and went right from that to Hello, Dolly. Yes, 96. It was me, you, Robin, and Karen. Karen Hearn, yes, Robin Higginbotham. Hide uh, and, and behind the curtains. Hide behind the curtains. And then, of course, there's Dolly Stevens as Dolly. Um, that was a wild show. I, that was a show that I didn't know much about before getting it. And then I got the cast album when I was on the road. I'd stopped off somewhere, some CD place, and picked it up and put it in my, my, my Walkman or my iPod or whatever it was at the time. 
And it was Charles Nelson Riley singing these songs, and I was like, oh my god, this this guy can't sing. But of course, it was Charles Nelson Riley. You know, he was probably an amazing actor and super funny and very heartfelt and very you know sweet. But uh, it it just did not translate. Um, that entire cast album is something to behold. I think I was so green to just the musical theater scene in general that I really didn't understand uh, a lot of the business. I didn't understand New York City. I didn't understand sure. really what I was going to be doing. So I think a lot of the times because summer theater and the school was so intense. I mean, all the stuff, late night directing projects, one man shows. I mean, it was just all much, just so much going on all the time. All the time. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, I liked that. I liked that buzzy energy of always being busy, you know, you know, cause there was some show that was going on or there was some directing project or one man show, or there was an ensembles, music theater ensemble or Shenandoah showmakers or what have you. Um, and because it was a smaller school, you know, I feel like we got to eat the opportunity to participate in a lot. You know, we were I, we were all I kind of big pictures, fish in little ponds. I see pictures of myself with Armstrong makeup on. Oh my god! And, and, and you know, after taking uh, Celia's makeup class and you know doing all the bone structure or whatever the highlights and the lowlights. Oh my God, I look at pictures and think, oh my God, what was I doing? We all do. You know, everyone looks at those pictures. I think by the time that I got out of Celia's grasp, um, I stopped doing all that. You know, I would, uh, but then I would see, you know, freshmen and sophomores come in and do, you know, they would be in the musical with me and, you know, they were like literally painting on their faces. Everyone like, looked like bugs. Yeah, it just was not a good look. And I don't, you know, I mean, we were already young. And if you, I can understand if you have like a 17 year old playing, you know, a 50 year old to try to age him up a little bit. But for the rest of us, you know, just put some powder on, a little eyeliner, you're good. Go. Well, Hal uh, wanted me to curl my hair for Barnaby. I remember that. Because he thought I looked too old, which I think is just because of a very angular. He thought you looked too. Oh my god! And I, I remember doing putting like white uh, eyeshadow or something on my eyes, and looking back, I looked like I was trying to be Shirley Temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we, oh, didn't we also open up the new the new theater? We did. That was uh 1998. Um, um, I was living in New York at the time. Yeah, I was living in New York. Or maybe I was moving back from Chicago. I can't remember. But um, and I got a call from Hal. You know, um, um, hey Dane, we're opening the new theater. Why don't you come down? And it ended up being kind of like a all kind of like alumni re reunion ish type of situation, um, because he had Dolly Stevens come back and play the witch. Rick Wesley was the lion. Peter Brazada was the Tin Man. I was the Scarecrow. And that's a lot of equity contracts for one show. Gil Braswell was the wizard. Um, so they kind of, you know, really beefed up those contracts for that show. And it was the first show in the new theater. And it was super exciting. And, um, yeah, that's I look back on that fondly. There's a picture of me, Ryan Dean Halbrook, and Marcus Davis dressed up as crows. As the crows, yeah. And, and we, we always, to this day, just look at that picture like, wow. Remember when we were going to be on Broadway? <laughs> yeah, I just remember falling down a lot and like losing 9,000 pounds because the costume was super heavy. Not nearly as heavy as Rick's and Peter's, but it was just like, oh my God. We would just like, because the, the, it was so hot backstage, even though there was air conditioning, it was just, it was, it was a lot, but it was a lot of fun. And just to be asked to be, a, you know, we, I knew that that was going to be a very special show for Hal, you know? he His dream was to open this new theater. Well, his first dream was to open the school. And then his second dream was to open the summer theater that was in Armstrong. And then his, his next dream was this new, you know, building that he was able to move into and utilize for his last years there. And I think that was just, it was really lovely. And um, we all had a great time and it was a great show. And I look back on it fondly. And you, go ahead, Stevie. I was just going to say, I'm holding in my hand the golden the ticket. golden ticket that we got for opening night. That's oh my goodness! Shenandoah Summer Music Theater of Shenandoah University presents the Wizard of Oz Grand Opening Orstrom Bryant Theater, Saturday, June twenty seventh, nineteen ninety eight, at eight thirty p.m. Eight thirty. We started Wizard of Oz at eight thirty. 
What are we crazy? We ran out of beer. That's right. <laughs> oh my God. 8.30. That's a two and a half hour long show. We weren't I leaving know. to 11. Oh, oh. I know. I looked at that. I'm like, who opens a theater with Wizard of Oz and starts at 8.30? And it was the second show of the season. I don't yeah. know if you guys remember this yeah. because the first Gigi show was, was first. Gigi, right? Yeah, and and yeah, I remember there being like a big, huge like gala beforehand and stuff. And I mean, if it started at eight thirty, then I would be super impressed because I think it was even later than that because they had problems getting people in. Yeah, I, yeah. Or yeah. maybe I'm mis misremembering this, but um, that's well, what I seem to recall. There's a famous story in our house because we remember the after party afterwards, walking out to this tent. Yeah, and yeah. Literally, by the time we got out there, it was kind of dissipating. And Robin Hart Schroff uh, looked at some woman and she said, come on, ladies, no more beer. Uh, <laughs> like they had some in the back they were hiding. Oh, Robin, Robin, because she's been sitting inside for a couple hours watching this show again for the 900th time. You know, that's you know, Robin, right. that's what I love about Robin. Once, once the show was up and running, Robin was fine. She was like, you guys are good. All right. See you later. But yeah, um, I'm out of here. Yeah. But oh my God, I forgot about that. 8.30. That blows my mind. That blows it my does. mind. It's incredible. Sorry, yeah. you, you were going to say, Matt? Um, so I, I think you just said that you that he called you and you were at the time living in Chicago. Uh, I'm trying to remember because, I mean, I, I moved to New York right away. And I lived in New York right away and auditioned and stuff. And then I was on this fellowship, the Gordon Gooch Fellowship, which was really <laughs> awesome that paid for all of my uh, acting lessons and singing lessons and headshots and a little small living stipend and stuff we like that. We just talked about that with Kathy. That's that's right. Was that, were you, were you guys, the, you guys were the first year, right? I was the first year and Kathy was the second year. She's and the year it, below me. Is yeah. it still going on? No, it ended after Kathy. <laughs> yeah. It was just two years. It was just two years. Yeah, that's the reason why vaguely, no one really knows about it. Um, I didn't know about it. It was, I mean, I showed up for awards day, you know, thinking I was just going to win the theater award or music theater award or something. And that's when Hal got on stage and said, we have a new award starting this year. It's a fellowship. It's worth, I want to say it was like $20,000. Um, but it all, I mean, they never just gave me straight up money. Like they, they all, everything had to be, you know, invoices sent to the school so i couldn't take you couldn't take dance lessons that was the thing because unless you paid for it yourself and got reimbursed but i mean when you're broke out of college who has money for that but um yeah we we got to take voice lessons and acting all that stuff and they paid for our pr first professional headshots and i'll never forget my headshot was with this woman tess steinkolk and she was super fancy and on her wall she had all these celebrities like matthew broderick and stuff and i was like wow I've made it. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, is uh, Hal was very, very serious about this. You couldn't leave town. You had to stay for that year and finish it up, right? He didn't want, because I completely understand, but what he didn't want was he wanted me to use up all my money so that by the time Kathy or whoever was next went to New York, he only had to deal with that because everything had to go through Hal. I would call Hal and he'd cut a check to my voice teacher. I'd call Hal and he'd cut a check. It was just a lot of work, you know, because the system wasn't really in place. Um, but anyways, I had to stay in New York. Um, and after that year was up, I went on the road with South Pacific, the show. And then I ended up in Chicago because Joe and Lee um, – Joe Anderson and Lee Shadle were living in Chicago and we closed in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So I was like, well, I'll just go to Chicago. So I went to Chicago um, and ended up staying for a couple of years. So it was somewhere around 1998 that I went back to New York and that's when I got the call from Hal. Wow. And then you stayed in New York for, a, a, that became your home? It did. Um, I moved back in 1998. Um, I went on the road again and did some other stuff. Um, I didn't, I ended up leaving New York in 2007. So yeah, it was, you know, those years. Um, and that's when I moved to Los Angeles. But um, yeah, it was, um, it, it, that was home from 1998 to 2007. You said you moved to LA? I did. I did. I met a guy online. Um, and, uh, this is match.com. This is the pre apps and all that stuff. And we dated, uh, back and forth for a couple of years. Then I, uh, this is like 2005. And then I decided to move to LA in 2007 and I was there through 2015. So you get to LA, LA, yeah. LA doesn't really have like a district. It's kind of like 
Is is it kind of like just a sprawling mm. suburb? You, it's a bunch of large like kind of neighborhoods or cities that are all kind of woven together, right? So Los Angeles in general, you'll have Hollywood, you have West Hollywood, you have Echo Park, Central, you know, um, uh, Silver Lake, uh, Glenwood, Brentwood, r r all those different neighborhoods, Burbank. Laurel Canyon. Yeah, Burbank is over the hill. And, and it's, um, so all, you have all these different areas that people consider LA. Um, of course, then you also have like, downtown LA. So, um, but yeah, it's all over the map. Um, there really, there's no centralized theater location. Um, you have a bunch of really great smaller, you know, 99 seat theaters, but they're all over the city. Um, so it's not like there's no theater row or no, you know, general area. There's, you know, there's some on Sunset, but that's pretty much it. And are you are you generally trying to do a live performance, hoping that an agent will come to, so you can start getting into a film and TV? Well, at this point, I had shifted my interest away from performing live to um, I was running a bi-coastal PR firm. So there's that. Um, I'd gotten more into public relations. But when I went out to Los Angeles, the bug kind of hit me again. So I started auditioning, um, did a couple shows there. And then I, uh, I, I fell into a really great group of funny, funny, funny actors. Um, a lot of them were working at the Groundlings and other stuff like that. So we started kind of workshopping some things, and then I ended up writing and producing three shows. Um, the first was Are You There, God, It's Me, Karen Carpenter. And it was um, a musicalized version of Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret with Karen Carpenter music. And it was a huge hit. Like, it was in the LA Times and Advocate and Out and all this stuff. And uh, we transferred to another little small theater and ran there for a little bit. And then, you know, moved on with our lives. And then the next year, I did another show, um, Little House in the Prairie Oki which uh, I took a Little House in the Prairie episode and put karaoke music and, you know, the, the actors that I had were hilarious and funny and the crowds loved it. And again, it was a huge sellout crowd. And, um, and then the last one ended up being, um, I totally know what you did last Donna Summer, which was an original story, but, you know, based on slasher films and Donna Summer music. So all of that. Yeah. I mean, it was really great too, because I had this really great core group of actors and, and comedians and just great human beings in Los Angeles and a really great co-producer. And, you know, a lot of this was self-produced and, you know, the actors were only making like i don't know like 200 bucks a week it was like you know 50 dollars a performance or something like that and it was just we no one was making any money off this but everyone was having so much fun and it was in the spirit of you know um all of these things that seemed like off off broadway and saturday night live and stuff like that but with a musical bent to it because no one was doing that in los angeles right so let me ask uh, a couple questions so you're 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 do you at this point is is this a feeder company name no, no. Uh, we started, we workshopped it at one little small theater down in Culver City called um, the Attic Theater. But then there is a venue. Um, it's very, you know, uh, what's the name of that place in the West Village? Duplex. It's very duplex um, called um, the Casita del Campo, which is a Mexican restaurant in Silver Lake. But in the basement, um, it's called the Cavern Club Celebrity Theater. And I think there's only like maybe 90 seats or something. And it's literally in the basement of a Mexican restaurant. And people upstairs have a great old time and drink margaritas and, you know, have their burritos and they come downstairs and see a show. And the show is usually about an hour and 10 minutes with no intermission. And then, you know, everyone has a raucous time and goes home happy. And were you kind of like renting the space for the shows? Yes. After, well, the first one I had to, I, you know, they didn't know who I was. Um, so they were like, all right, bring your, bring your show in. And then I rented the space and it ended up being a huge success. And they were like, oh, your shows are really great. If you ever want to come back, let us, let us know. And so that ended up being a really great partnership in the fact that I think we ended up doing like five versions of my shows there because a couple of them came back like the next year. I think Prairie went back the next year. Um, and these ended up being kind of a big deal. Like, you know, Little House in the Prairie like Alison Arngren, the original Nellie Ol Olsen was in it, 
you know, um, uh, Melissa Gilbert, <laughs> Melissa Gilbert came and saw it. Uh, my good buddy Drew Drogi, who is just incredible, and he's like a huge comedian, and he's the one that does all those Chloe Sevigny spoofs um, that people see, and Mark Jacobs has used them for his his uh, fashion campaigns and stuff. So Melanie Hutzel from um, Saturday Night Live. I mean, we had a really great revolving door of of people in these shows, but um, yeah. The fact that Alison Arngrim, you know, there I was, she saw it originally and loved it and started tweeting about it. And then we be, kind of became friends. And then when they came back for a second remount, the role of Mrs. Olsen was open. And she said that she'd do the first weekend. And she certainly did. It was, it was crazy. Wow. I'm, like, I'm like, I'm working with Nellie Olsen on a show, on a musical spoof that I wrote called Little House on the Prairie Okie. This is insane. This is insane. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I think yeah. now maybe that's how Dane's movie opens up, not the <laughs> hotel room. And it's a flashback sequence. But you know what? All of that is because we had to do things like put together one-man shows, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You had to take things like, you know, musical theater history and, like, learn about how to craft a show. And, you know, and it was, you know, I, I was exposed to so much more in college than just wanting to sing and dance. I loved the production aspect of it. I loved that aspect of, you know, picking something and putting things together and picking costumes and the costumes that we did were fantastic. And so I encourage you, Google those names. Um, and there's lots of press out there about them, um, but it's, uh, it's a, it, this is a lot of fun. And I'm glad that the, that was my last three or four years that I was in Los Angeles. And it was a really great way to say goodbye. What what made you leave Los Angeles? Um, he was I run took, out of town. <laughs> I was run, run out of town on a rail, honey. Um, I was offered a job as the marketing director for a theater in North Carolina called the Flat Rock Playhouse. Ah, oh, yes, I know it well. Yes, I was uh, back in 1999. I think, yeah, exactly. The year after we did Wizard of Oz, um, I did my first season at the Flat Rock Playhouse down in beautiful North Carolina. Um, I was hired to do the, the first four shows of the summer season, I think. And I fell in love with the area and I fell in love with the theater and I went back several summers and then just every now and then I would just job in for one show or what have you. Um, and then life happens, things happen, you know, but we always kept in touch and um, they ultimately, back in uh, 2014, needed a new marketing director. So I threw my name in the hat. And they were like, holy shit, you want to come back here? I was like, yeah. So I moved there, and I did that for a couple of years. Dane, I'm, one thing I'm taking away from this interview is you just are all over the country working. Like, uh, the courage it takes to just pick up your life and move it to a different state. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we, we barely leave our zip code. Yeah, we can't even leave our house. We're, we're, we've turned into Big Edie and Little Edie. <laughs> well, you know, as long as the raccoons are, you know, not crapping on the floor. Well, um, the pugs yes, are. <laughs> the pugs are, yes. Well, that's a, that's a pug for you. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I did. I, and I have. I've always had a little bit of wanderlust. You know, I'm not going to lie. I think that's just kind of the, the gypsy nature in me. A lot of that, I think, has to do... When I first got to New York, I mean, I was, after the, the fellowship was over, you know, I, I did a production of Grease in Berlin for uh, five months, something like that. And I loved being in different locales and different settings and different locations and putting down roots for a while. Um, so yeah, I mean, when the opportunity came and for me to go to North Carolina and be the marketing director for this theater that I loved and adored, you know, for decades, practically. I mean, it was, it was kind of a no brainer for me. Well, okay. How many States were between North Carolina and Texas? <laughs> Just one. I, I moved directly here, really? but there might, yeah. When does this air? When is this coming out? Uh, probably sometime before 2022 ends. Okay. Um, I have news to share, but I can't talk about it now, but there might be another movie coming up. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is going to be the prequel to the sequel interview. Breaking news. Breaking, Breaking news. news. Yes, exactly. The Donna Summer karaoke show is going to Broadway. It's all going digital. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, there's that. But it was just, um, yeah, I... 
I've to answer your earlier question. Yes, I've I've been I've I've been around. I've lived in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, North Carolina, Texas. You know, I've I've I like to I like to see the states. Yeah. Well, going back to what you were talking about about um, you know self-producing and mm -hmm. kind of, uh, taking all kinds of different tools from Shenandoah. I think I think me and Stephen. I mean, we have not stayed. Uh, current in our situation because of our talent we've really stayed kind of relevant in our business because we keep uh bringing out different tools that we learned at su to to make ourselves relevant and say okay well we've got a tarp and two poles so we're going to make mm -hmm. it <laughs> absolutely and that's the thing is you had to kind of learn to be scrappy you know i love the fact and i like you know we've touched on this several times but i love the fact that we got exposed to so many different things you know um i i don't know what the program is like right now i have no idea the last time i was at shenandoah i i think it was the wizard of oz i don't think yeah. i've gone back since i don't think I, there was a year or so that they I was supposed to do no name they net or something at one point, but I couldn't do that. I can't remember. But we uh, have been back a couple of times. We have, yes. Yeah. So I, but the program now. I mean, when I was the marketing director down in North Carolina, Flat Rock has a really great relationship with two colleges. Well, with a lot of colleges, but um, they have really great close relationships with Elon Univer uh, University um, in Eastern North Carolina and with Shenandoah, believe it or not. And my Every year that I was there, at least three or four of our apprentices and interns came from Shenandoah. And it was always this like, you're from Shenandoah, I'm from Shenandoah. And they'd get there and they'd be like, everyone told me to look for Dane. And so all these all these little fresh faced kids, you know, rather than staying and doing summer stock, which is something that we were kind of not really asked or requested to do, but we just kind of did if you happen to be around. Um, you know, they were they were exploring different summer venues and they, you know, they were always our, our apprentices and interns. Wow. That's yeah, cool. it is. Yeah. So but th they would talk about the program and they were talking, well, you know, talk about being in classes that we never took, like like the history of rock musicals and how to belt rock. And like, no, that was never encouraged when we were there. They they, they looked down upon that. That just I mean, that really started to change my last year there which, yeah which, because there were all of these musicals coming out that were rock and I made the argument to my voice teacher I was like look I'm not going to be relevant in the professional world if I don't know how to sing this stuff correctly because it's going to be all I'm up for Right. And there were exactly. And there are quite a few teachers. I mean, my teacher, um, he was pretty good about me, you know, singing things that because he knew that not it was never rock, but like, you know, he knew that I needed to sing in the musical theater style. Everything couldn't be this, you know, oh, no, that's not going to work for me. Um, but I remember it was the girls who really struggled when I was there um, because you know, belting, you know, or more mixing. There was no such thing as mixing. No one even really knew who, what that was. Um, you know, that that was never really strongly taught. Um, there are a couple. I think Dr. Og was pretty good about it and things like that. But for the most part, I mean, these... <laughs> I, these, have, these... I have to bring up a story, Dr. Og. I always... Yes. He, he took um, a IPA, uh -huh. Dr. Og... And uh, she, I'll never forget this because I almost like laughed out loud in her class and she was dead serious. She said, you don't sing Billy, you sing Billy. Oh, God. Billy. Yeah. And I thought, but you, you don't, you really? <laughs> See, that's the thing though. It's like, I love those old school teachers too, because that's what they, that's what they were taught. That's what they knew, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, and then plus, you know, at the time there was there was no wicket, you know, there was none of these, there was no rent. There was, um, the, the heaviest, I think rock shows at the time were like the older ones, like superstar hey. clearly and hair and Pippin and things like that. Not that Pippin's a rock show, but you know, there was, but that's, it was you know, a the, the, show. 
Yeah, exactly. So Again, I think they were just. 1997, Alice Ripley and Emily Skinner sing a duet and sideshow and blow off the faces of every voice teacher. And every Ex girl in college was, was like, like what? what is happening? Yeah. Exactly. How are they singing that? What is going on? So. I, I really applaud the, the teachers that tried because I know there were a couple and I just don't know their names um, because it's just too many years. I know there were a couple that that did try to encourage to sing with a healthier style. I mean, I was just a flat out belter, you know, I think my teacher gave up. <laughs> he was just like, you're, you're going to do what you're going to do. So just have a big old time. Yeah. I, and you clearly have done whatever you want to do all over the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I will continue to until the day I'm in the ground. So you got into like marketing and PR. I did um, mm -hmm. for Flat Rock first, and now now for something else. In it is. I'm working. I'm working for a for-profit com uh, company, and we don't need to go into that. Um, but it's uh, yeah. It was. I came here for a very specific reason, and um, let's just say that I'm ready to move on. Well, let's talk about um, Texas as a state. Oh, <laughs> do we want to do that? All right, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've never been in Texas. I do have relatives in Houston. I've never been mm -hmm. there. Um, is it a fun, uh, is Austin a fun place to be in? You know, um, I have a very mixed view of, of Austin because you got to remember, I got here in 2019 and it was not terribly long after that that the world shut down. Um, so yes, Austin is a great city and it's got great food and it's got great live music and it's great. I love walking around Ladybird Lake and it's, and Austin is a very, you know, it's a very purple blue dot in the middle of the sea of red Texas. Um, you know, I, I wish I had a different overall opinion of it because a lot of my time in Austin has been sitting by myself in my apartment. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very, it's a, I have an interesting take on Austin at this point. I'm assuming Lady Bird Lake is for Lady Bird Johnson. Yes. Yes. Um, there's a really, it's basically the Colorado river. I think I'm saying this right. The Colorado river basically turns into like this long lake and this dammed up at the, uh, at the end of, um, at the, on the east side of Austin. Um, kind of, you know, so anyways, it's, it's a really great, beautiful, there's really great trails that go around it. People are always on their bikes or, you know, hiking and things like that. I love that, that portion of, of Austin and Austin's got some beautiful, beautiful buildings downtown. Um, really, again, really great food. I mean, I have such a keen appreciation of, uh, tacos and street tacos at this point. Um, and barbecue, enough barbecue to <sighs> yeah, street tacos. Yeah, street tacos. Yeah, and Austin's got great food trucks. You know, it's a very foodie town. Um, but again, my I spent the first couple of years living. We all spent the couple of years living inside. You know, so I just wish that I had more of an exposure to Austin before all that happened. Because when the pandemic started to kind of lift, I was like, hmm, I think I need to move on. <laughs> so right. there you have it right i mean gosh i i can't imagine moving somewhere new and then being locked down there for you know that's such a weird oh kind of yeah twilight zone episode it's like prison with a box of wine <laughs> exactly and you could only i only knew like two or three people you know total right. and and i wasn't even you know i, I wasn't hanging out with them because no one was doing anything so it was just me and my dog and netflix and a lot a lot of me and my dog um so the, with the first about a year and a half ago i moved apartments because i was like screw this i can't be in this apartment anymore i've been in this apartment in lockdown for a year i gotta go i gotta get out um so i left that apartment literally i moved like one exit away off the highway. So it's not like I did that much of a shift. Um, yeah, it's just, it was a very strange time. It's a strange time for everyone. And I'm glad and fortunate to be alive on the other end of it and gamefully employed the entire time and spent more time working from home and, than I ever want to again. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was, it was, to answer your earlier question, Austin's awesome. People will love it. Just don't move here before a global pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Name two streaming shows that you would recommend that you loved. 
Um, well, recently, uh, White Lotus, season one and two. I finished season two, I think, last week. Love it. I just love it. I think it's beautifully shot. It's, it's extremely funny, well acted. Jennifer Coolidge is amazing. It's a dark comedy, but it's I typically the words dark comedy make me want to run away to hide. But it, this one did not. I loved it. And okay, I'm going to talk about this too because I I watched all of season one the other night because it was on a recommendation and I loved it. And then season two started and I was like, wah, wah. Um, Sex Lives for College Girls. Loved season one. Thought it was inventive and fun and and hilarious and you know irreverent and raunchy, sure, but I thought it was it was different and I was having a good time with it. Then I started season two last night, got through two episodes. I was like, well, they jumped the shark, in my personal opinion. Right. Yeah. I I don't know of that show. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll I'll at least check out season one. Yeah, at least check out season one. Yeah, and then there's so many other things that I watched during the during. You know, I mean, I I wish I kept track of how many series I watched. I mean, of course, I watched you know all of Succession and things like that. But uh, oh, one thing I did do during the pandemic, and I thought this was, I thought it was. I'm so glad I did. I've never seen Breaking Bad. Uh, we ever. still haven't. I started it and I got through and I went through every single episode and from beginning to end and mm. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, it's, it's one of those things. It's like it's on the list. Like I know I have to watch it. Didn't someone say to us if you if you're in love with Ozark, you're gonna love Breaking Bad? Yeah, I, I believe that to be true. Yeah, absolutely. Because I loved Ozark. Um, Ozark is a little more plush in their setting. This is like somewhere in New Mexico or Arizona or something. It's not, not the cutest area of the world. Um, cause there's a lot, of, there's a lot of dust and dirt. Um, but I thought it was just really, really, really well, well done. I enjoyed it. So, so what else? There's another one. That, oh yeah. And to completely flip the script, I, uh, after I was done with that, I watched all 160 some odd episodes back to back of Gossip Girl. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> because why not? Because why not? And I was like, Leap Meester's great. Blake Lively's great. I've got, I, I got to watch this. So I did. I watched every single episode back to back. Do you know what's funny? I did that, but with The Office. Because uh, everyone <laughs> in the world has seen The Office. I had never seen an episode. And then I watched the entire thing. And I think I probably could have watched it a second time because uh, I loved it that much. For sure. Yeah. You know, that's one thing that we all kind of hunkered down and watched and consumed a lot of media during the pandemic. But I really like the fact that this allowed me the time to do that because I was able to just kind of knock it out. You know, a lot of my friends just watched all of Shit's Creek in one sitting, you know? Yeah. Which which I highly recommend because I think that show's hilarious too. It's so. the best. It's the best. The best. Yeah. Are you watching his brunch show on HBO Max? No, no. I didn't know we had one. Yeah, that's actually, I think, where Sex Lives of College Girls is, is on HBO Max. But I think it's called, it's called something like Brunch Something. Oh, my and God. It's, um, we'll check that out. And so, well, it's a cooking show. It's a cooking competition show that he produced and is hosting. Um, Does he tell it's... them to fold in the cheese? <laughs> <laughs> but what they do is they make brunch. Oh, that's fun. And, and so he and his, like, you know, guest judges, they just kind of sit there and sit mimosas and talk trash while everyone's cooking. It's great. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dane, thank you so much for talking to us. We Of course. Of course. Have, uh, some new change in life coming up, but maybe sometime in the new year, just give us a holler. And we'll let have us a know. little recap. Breaking yeah. news. I will. Absolutely. Breaking news. Yeah. And thank you guys so much for, first of all, doing this. I, I think it's fantastic. And thank you for asking me to be a part of it. Absolutely. Well, we will talk to you soon. Have a great night. Have a great Thank holiday you. and new year. Ha- and we'll talk to ha- you in 2023. Absolutely. Here's to it. All right. Bye, Bye guys. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for talking to us, Dane. We really appreciate it. It was so great to catch up and hear what's going on in your life. And oh my God, the paths that you've taken... Oh, the things that you'll see. What is the thing, the book? Oh, the places Um, you'll go is what I was thinking of. Anyway. Oh, the places you've been. Oh, gosh. So many. Anyways, congratulations when the announcement happens. We know what it is. Maybe people don't. We have signed documents. 
an NDA. We have we have an NDA. We my can... name is Stormy Daniels, and my name is Rough Weather. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an E-R. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Patreon, Connor and Smith. Again, Connor with an E-R. Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Really helps us out a lot. Um, share it where you share things, post it where you post things. We have a Discord board. You can join it. It's a fun place to go check it out if you have not checked out the long shot podcast this is our new um audio movie that you can check out that's about uh two gay teenage kids in the 80s at a a mall uh experiencing uh zombie apocalypse it's very fun it's not scary i promise you um, at any rate, check all that out. If you're able to come to see Find Your Light, I don't know if there are tickets left, but hey, if you're a Patreon member, you're gonna get it. You're gonna get it. We're gonna record it, and it's gonna be put up on our Patreon at some point soon. So subscribe to our Patreon, become a supporter. You will see Find Your Light. All right, at any rate, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye! Bye.